Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. And we are recording this on August 3rd, and Michigan football is back in action. They are back into their fall camp. Uh, we are one month away from their season opener against Colorado State. The pads will not be crashing today, but but you know certainly they're beginning practices, getting their first look since the, the summer workouts. Uh, since spring ball. So lots to discuss over the next month. We'll try to get to everything we can in terms of previewing this season. We have our position group previews. We got a lot of positive feedback about those last year. Nice condensed, you know, very specifically focused uh, episode for those who want that. Lots of stories over at the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. Steve, I know you did uh, your, your five X factors today. I did my depth charts today. Uh, we've got our most important players preview that's counting down. I think we're down to our final six and then we have our positional in-depth previews. There'll be stuff about position battles, biggest strengths everywhere on the team, biggest question marks and question marks is actually something that we're going to discuss in this episode. So we're going to look at five big ish questions or the biggest ones to us uh, facing Michigan in this fall camp, one one question we will not be discussing is the quarterback battle. I know that's something a lot of fans want to discuss. We have discussed it and written about it a lot. And we're doing later this week, there will be a quarterback preview episode out. So we're going to save that for that episode. But we're going to talk about five other question storyline topics uh, heading into fall camp that are, that are on our minds. And we literally put this together just by taking turns thinking, what's What's really on our mind? What's something that we're thinking about? So hopefully you you enjoy this episode. The first question, and this one, you know, there's there's kind of two parts to it. But who will be the leaders of Michigan's defensive front this season? Last year, obviously, it was Aiden Hutchinson, and it was David Ajabo. Um, you know, Aiden Hutchinson every single snap. David Ajabo in the pass rush. He was he was the main guy, and then you saw Mozzie Smith. And Christopher Hinton start to emerge. You saw a little bit of Mike Morris and Taylor Upshaw and, and Chris Jenkins here and there. But I'm very curious about this in two ways. One, I'm, you know, in terms of the starting lineup, I'm curious. I, it seems like Smith, Jenkins, and Morris are, are three. If I were to guess today, it'd be Taylor Upshaw maybe. But you know, are there other younger players that can make a push guys like Derek Moore, Mason Graham, Rayshon Benny, Braden McGregor. I mean, these are all guys who were, who were top targets for Michigan on the recruiting trail. Um, you know, you can throw some other guys in there, like a, like a George Rooks or a TJ guy. I mean, there, there's a lot of young talent. And so I'm, I'm a little curious to see how the, the underclassmen clash against upperclassmen. I mean, don't forget they added central Florida transfer at, on the, in the tackle position and in, in cam good. Uh, Julius Welshoff, you know, still has that four, six, eight, 40 yard dash still has that 10 foot five broad jump, according to Aiden Hutchinson. So there's, there's a lot of intriguing players, but other than Smith, I don't think I can sit here and I'm pretty feeling pretty good about Jenkins too. But other than those two, I don't think I can sit here and guarantee anybody will be someone that starts 10, 12 games this season. And so I'm curious to see not just who, who starts, but I'm also curious to see what schematic changes they make to the defensive line. I don't know if Mike McDonald went into last season saying we're going to have two defensive tackles starting, two 
edge rushers. I mean, it was, it was kind of a, it almost didn't look like a, a three, four, right. It almost looked like a four, three. And so um, does Jesse Minter new defensive coordinator, does he want three tackle types up front, maybe one edge guy. And then the other guy play more of a Sam position. I mean, there's different ways they can go about this, uh, but it, but it's really going to be dependent on the personnel and is their pass rush. Is it going to be led more by the interior this season? Logic would say yes. Uh, but, but you know, what, what can the defensive tackles bring? So not just who's the leaders, like who starts, but also who game to game is Michigan scheming to try to set up player X to make a big play or to be in position to make a big play. So Steve, I know that was a, that was kind of a, it ended up being a more loaded question than maybe you initially thought it was when I, when I wrote it down, but, but I'm curious your thoughts on the defensive line and, and kind of your anticipation in terms of there is young talent, there's returning talent, but, but only maybe Smith has proven, proven, proven uh, themselves at an all big 10 level so far. So, so your thoughts. Yeah. Look at Mozzie, Chris Jenkins, Mike Morris as the three guys that kind of stand out in that regard. Um, You know, the thing about Michigan at edge is not like, not, any of these, like a lot of these, there's been a variety of guys that have succeeded at edge. They're not all the same. They, you know, it's not a cloned player physically uh, that they've really, you know, turned into a big player there. That's why I look at somebody like Mike Morris, who's not, he's built differently than Aiden Hutchinson is. He's built differently than David Ajabo, obviously, uh, but has kind of ascended throughout, gotten better and better each year. Uh, and now it's, it's kind of his time. I mentioned Taylor Upshaw in the article this morning as, a, as sort of a forgotten man. Uh, you know, you got to remember guys like Morris and Upshaw especially have been playing behind like first round picks like every year since they've been in Ann Arbor. Uh, never really had that chance to to be the guy uh, necessarily. So and, and what may aid them even more is that I think Michigan will be better in the interior this year than they have been the last couple of seasons. So, you know, I, I think how Michigan succeeds defensively could be a total, it may be in a totally different fashion than what it was uh, in 2021. So yeah, you know, I mean, there's almost countless names uh, of guys who are capable of stepping up, especially a deep you know, room. I mean, yeah, very you know, say what you will about the top, you know, I don't know if anyone's going to be first team all big 10, but a very deep room where you feel almost as comfortable with the second string as you do the first deep and talented. Right. It's not just bodies. Uh, I mean, like you like you mentioned, a lot of these guys were top targets, not just for Michigan, but for a lot of other programs. Uh, Rooks and Benny, the two in the interior that I look at. But George Rooks had a really good spring. He had a great spring game, too, as did Benny. Uh, McGregor, you know, another guy that's not just healthy, but has sort of been kind of waiting in the wings a little bit. TJ Guy, someone I know, Mike McDonald, really seemed to like. Uh, as far as a guy that had some potential and was, was starting to come on. So um, yeah, again, no short, you even mentioned a guy like Keyshawn Bennett, who I still think is a year away from what I know, but, but has shown flashes and given Michigan a lot of reason for hope as far as uh, him eventually becoming a productive player. So, you know, a guy like that, you know, we don't know what kind of work is being put in, in the off season, you know, they could show up to fall camp and, have a big, big opportunity and take advantage of it. So 
it reminds me sort of like a little bit how like the basketball roster has been built or, or comprised the last few years where it's like, yeah, you're, it's, it's almost like exciting to see who's going to be the one to kind of step up and, and kind of take that role. Cause somebody's gonna have to do something, uh, you know, and we didn't even actually on top of that didn't mention Kenneth Grant, who, if you piece all the piece, if you piece the puzzle together, it sounds like yeah. the guy that Harbaugh said is God's <laughs> was a gift from God, uh, Gift you know, from the football gods. Gift yeah. from the football gods yeah. or whatever, however he said it. You know, which again, you again, you never pencil a freshman in in the, in the interior to to make a big difference. But, it, you know, we're seeing freshmen make impacts at positions they didn't before in the past. So, you, you know, don't want to totally write that off if they're that excited about a guy. So, yeah, real fascinating. Those are the three names. That, yeah, as far as leadership, Jenkins, Smith, Morris. And, yeah, I think you throw Upshaw in there too. Uh, those four guys – have been in the program for at least a couple of years each and uh, have played heavy snaps and, and, you know, Jenkins ascending Morris ascending Upshaw really kind of getting that first opportunity. And Smith is kind of already there and really he's another guy. So like, even though he's kind of one of the big names, really excited to see what he does this year. I think he's got potential to have a huge year for them. So um, yeah, going to be fascinating the defensive line for sure. Yeah. Just a couple couple stats to throw out there for people. Uh, you know, Chris Jenkins, you and I have talked about him before. Just saw that he, he, he tweeted that he's up to 290 pounds. That, my, I actually had my bold prediction that he was going to be an all-Big Ten, not first team necessarily, but all-Big Ten type of player this year. I tweeted that when I thought he was going to be 275. So for him to be up to 290, that feels very encouraging. This was a guy who bench pressed 350 when he was 225 pounds. Um, my assumption is that if he's adding what is now 65 pounds of weight, he probably is even stronger. So someone I'm pretty, pretty high on, he actually ended up last season, Steve, I looked this up yesterday. He had the most tackles from a first or second year defensive tackle at Michigan since Willie Henry in 2013. Uh, it was 22 tackles. It's not like he set the world on fire, but, but at the same time that speaks to the phrase that I've always used about Jenkins is ahead of schedule you know there's certainly um, still a lot of time in his career but for him to make the impact that he did last season as a redshirt freshman uh, is is very promising and yeah I, I think Morris is the other guy in addition to Smith that I'm I'm pretty confident in I think he can play a Chris Wormley role he can play kind of a jumbo or a smaller defensive tackle or a jumbo defensive end uh, that's that's really valuable if you're trying to do an NFL style defensive scheme. There are, there are shortcomings, and that's where you need depth to kind of rotate guys in based on matchups. But at the same time, I think uh, he offers some versatility. Michigan Michigan really needs as it tries to sort this out. And then the two names I would pencil in as as if they if you start hearing their name a lot, then I think the defensive front looks really good. Is Benny and Braden McGregor. I think those are the two, again, if you're not, I'm excited about Mason Graham. I think Kenneth Grant has, has some very, very interesting potential. Um, There are a lot of guys, of course, but I think the, the highest ceiling this season is probably McGregor and Benny McGregor on the edge, a lot of parallels to Aiden Hutchinson. And then Benny, I think is, is, I don't know if he, has a lot of parallels to Mozzie Smith, but I kind of view him as in the same light where it's at some point he's going to be really good. It's whether it's a year two or a year three jump for him that, that will make a big difference for Michigan. 
Uh, Upshaw definitely gets underrated, by the way. I, I just looked this up before we recorded. Last season in pass rushing productivity among 301 power five edge rushers, this is from Pro Football Focus, he was 45th. So he was, that's the 80, what, 84th percentile. Um, he was not Ajabo and he was not Hutchinson, but I, I think sometimes he gets a little slept on. You know, I think because he's not those two and he's not Quiddy Pay, he's like this disappointment. But I think he's someone that that's going to be really good in the pass rush this season. All right, next question. Steve, this one comes from you, but I think it also comes from pretty much every Michigan fan who follows the team all year round. Where is Michigan going to find depth at linebacker? I think everyone feels good about what Junior Colson can bring and what Nakai Hill Green can bring. You will both have to probably improve in their pass coverage, but but in terms of tackling ability, uh, play recognition, instincts, I, I think there's a lot to like from that duo. I don't know. I, I guess Michael Barrett's next, but but at the same time, I just I don't think anyone knows what happens if you know, I think your phrase has always been they're an injury away. So Steve, your thoughts on the linebacker room and and the uh their their pursuit of depth. I mean, how how creative do they get? Or do they do you think they move people from other positions to try to fill it out, or do you think that they 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 have a couple guys who can step up this fall? Your thoughts on that linebacker depth? Yeah, it's a couple. Actually, by the way, going back to defensive line, another guy we didn't mention was Jalen Harrell. <laughs> uh, yeah, he might start based on the snap counts. Yeah, like that just like, great because, run stopper. Yeah, right. Listed as a linebacker on their roster, which we, you and I talked about this morning, uh, but not a guy that we consider a linebacker on their roster. He uh, played more snaps than David Ajabo did in the Orange Bowl, actually. Right. Yep. So the the first two guys, I guess. Well, there's sort of there's three guys I kind of think of. One is Kalel Mullings, who I don't even know there's that fascination with a guy playing running back, but you've got to hope, and we'll talk about it uh, a little bit later, you got to maybe hope that someone else steps up at running back. They're good at the top. They need a, need a third guy. I think you'd rather see Mullings excel at the linebacker spot because they, they just they need depth there. They need another body. They need another contributor. Uh, Tyler... Uh, Missing it. Tyler McLaurin, the Bowling yep. sophomore, is another one that I'm really curious. 6'3, 237. He's the biggest linebacker on the roster, uh, both height and weight, except for, you know, again, knowing that Harrell is listed at linebacker, but is actually an edge. Uh, he's a big, he's a big body. Another guy was a Don Brown recruit. So, you know, always fascinating to see. You can throw Jaden Hood in there too, maybe as guys that really interested to see how their fall camp goes uh, because they weren't recruited by the current staff. Uh, we know that a lot of the linebackers on the roster, there's been major turnover at the position, you know, leading to sort of the depth issues we're talking about. And then the last guy is, is the incoming freshman, Jimmy Rolder. Uh, I know he's not an early enrollee, but again, you know, you're we're, really like his film. Yeah. yeah. Kind of where you were at, kind of where linebacker is at, you know, I, I don't know if Joey Velasquez can become, a starter level player at linebacker. He's been awesome in special teams. Uh, we know what he's done on the baseball diamond too, by the way, he had a great year uh, for Michigan this season, but overall, you know, I, I look at, yeah, I look at McLaurin uh, Mullings and, and Roller are the, the, the first three that come to mind. Like I said, you, maybe you can kind of throw McLaurin and, and Jaden hood in the same 
category or sentence, but you know, those are the ones I look at. Otherwise you're looking at, otherwise it's unless a walk on uh, really steps up in a big way, you know? And again, we I'm looking at the, the, the names at linebacker walk on and not really seeing any guys that we've even heard Harbaugh kind of go on and on about like we have in the past with some walk on. So, you know, hard to imagine it'd be one of those guys. So yeah, it's going to be fascinating. Cause again, I think I I've said it basically since, January, February, I really think that Junior Colson is, is Michigan's most important player this year because of his ceiling at the position and because if they lose him, uh, I just think linebacker is going to be it, – it'll be fascinating to see what – yeah, if they move some pieces or what happens there because I just, I just think he's that vital and that important and could be that good. Yeah, the, it – going to say a lot of the similar stuff yeah he's he's incredibly important and I think Nikai Hill Green I you know him and RJ Moten are two guys who I think um they they, people almost look at them as like old veterans who's you know who are who have reached the peak of their careers I mean they were redshirt freshmen last year and so it's kind of crazy to think like like just because they were ahead of schedule and and beat out some veterans for starting jobs last fall that um (laughs) suddenly they're like the the grizzled veterans who maybe have shown all they can show. No, I think there's still, there's still room to ascend room to improve uh, in that linebacker room, but, but they need depth. They really, really do. And, you know, I think Barrett with a good fall camp that could really help Michigan out. I I liked what he showed last season. I know it was a, he got kind of dealt a raw hand with the Viper position basically disappearing, but you know, maybe an, an off season of being able to adjust and study the inside linebacker role that could help. Um, Mullings is, is a big one. I, I liked the couple carries we saw of him in the spring game, but I'm with you. It's it, it, Michigan's it's to Michigan's benefit because they have running backs. It's to Michigan's benefit that he, he is still good enough at linebacker to, to warrant most of his attention there. Um, Rolder's fascinating, you know, for those that don't know a lot about him, he was a, he was a late, I mean, he like kind of came out of nowhere, maybe a little similar to, to Ronnie Bell, where he was so committed to the, to, he was a baseball commit. I believe he was an Illinois baseball commit. Um, you know, he was so committed to the other sport that he didn't necessarily, plus you factor in the, the limited viewings and everything for due to COVID-19, maybe got a little overlooked as a recruit. I, you know, it's, it, if you go look at his offer timeline, he went from like zero football offers to, I mean, LSU and Florida were sniffing around Michigan, Wisconsin, which I think is, is a really good sign for a linebacker in in the Chicago area that that was someone they were targeting really heavily, uh, pretty much half the big 10, I think offered in one weekend at one point. So freshman late enrollee at a position where true freshmen don't always, don't always make a, a, you know, the, the biggest impact, but with the lack of depth and, and also just the nature of his recruitment. I think sometimes when guys don't blow up or, or do the camp circuits until, and, and don't really get noticed until their senior year, I think sometimes they're, they're a little underrated. Yeah. This was, this was someone Michigan really liked. I, I believe if I'm not mistaken, Steve, you'd know better recruiting better than I did. Uh, at least two defensive assistant coaches spent the bye week Michigan's bye week last year at Jimmy Rolder's game, not the other defensive targets, but I believe they were, they were at Jimmy Rolder's game. Correct. He was like, that was a legit 
head-to-head win for Michigan over Ohio State. Like Roller was, Ohio State was legitimately recruiting Roller. I don't care what their fans probably said after he committed. <laughs> probably said they didn't want him or whatever. But he was legit being recruited by both schools. So that was that was quietly. Everything about that recruitment was kind of quiet. He did come on super late, like you said, um, and then it was really a quiet, quietly like really nice recruiting win for them uh, because they were holding off. Like I want to say Iowa, Wisconsin, and Ohio State. Uh, you know, so yeah, a fascinating prospect, like you said. And sometimes those late risers, like those really late bloomers, are guys that end up making an earlier impact than you might expect sometimes. So there's and definitely the- an op- definitely an opportunity there, right? I mean, there's yeah. got to be. So. Yeah, that that too. He's going to have an opportunity. You know, Michigan's not going to say no. You're redshirting this year. You know, they're kind of they're probably looking at at everybody in Michigan's linebacker room, saying if if you have a fall good fall camp, you're going to play 300 snaps this year. You're going to appear in every game. So, going to be interesting to hear how that goes. Um, if it if I'm being blunt, I think that's going to probably be the weakness of Michigan's team this year. So, I think the big question will just be how. How much can they mitigate it? You know, I don't think linebacker depth will become a strength this year, but can it be something that you're not constantly worried about as opposed to maybe right now where after Colson and, and Hill Green and maybe Barrett, uh, you don't, it's, you're kind of, it's a guessing game. All right. Last question before we hit a break. I thought this one was fun. This one is not as contingent on Will Mich, you know, if, there's not a right answer here necessarily. It's not like this is the difference between Michigan going nine and three and 12 and Oh, uh, but, but I'm, I'm just curious generally who is, who is Michigan's leading receiver going to be? Uh, we, we were talking before the show, probably, probably five very good candidates. And, and if you wanted to get creative, you could probably think of a couple others, but last year it was Cornelius Johnson in 2019 and 2020. It was Ronnie Bell. Eric all quietly was number two last season. And then over the final five games last year, Roman Wilson was actually Michigan's leading receiver uh, down, down the stretch. And so um, in both, I believe both in targets and yards. uh, And, and then there's also Andrew Anthony. Obviously there's so much excitement about him. You've talked about him. I've talked about him. Uh, Feels like one of the easier breakout candidate picks. He only had 12 catches last year, but they, a lot of them were really impressive catches. Um, so, Steve, I assume it's going to be one of those five. But you can add someone else to the list if you'd like to. But, but who do you think of that of that group is going to end up being Michigan's leader in receiving yards? Because I, you know, I think all five of those, if they were on another team where they, there wasn't as much depth, or they or Michigan really wanted them to step up and be you know high number guys, I think all of them could be. 700 yard receivers this fall they I don't think they all will be 700 yard receivers this fall so so among that group any any early guesses or thoughts on on who might be the leader of the pack uh uh I I am starting to come around in the idea that it could be Roman Wilson actually um ah you're you're joining the uh party (laughs) you know I, it's, I don't, it's just, it is, it's, it's almost an impossible question to answer right now. Right. I mean, it, it is, they're going to be able to spread the ball out at will does, is it Eric all because of like a volume, but that being said though, you could argue Schoonmaker was as good as all uh, near the end of last year. I mean, both of them were playing at a super high level and are going to be huge parts 
of the offense. So do, do they kind of uh, negate each other a little bit in that race? You know, but that receiver, you know, Wilson's kind of that guy that can really beat you in a multitude of ways. Uh, he has the blazing speed. We know about that, but, but also runs good route, has great hands though, too, which as you know, is uh, needed to catch the ball when a quarterback throws it to you are good hands. That's a, that's a John so, Madden kind of analysis. I, I know I should. The team that really, scores yeah, the most really, points usually tends to win. Should have put that behind the paywall. <laughs> uh, you know, so I, I you can almost argue, uh, based on the way you last year finished, that that Wilson is maybe Michigan's best all-around receiver. Uh, I, you know, Anthony's the guy I think that has a shot to be to be that also and gives them the one thing that Wilson doesn't, which is maybe that red zone you know, jump ball kind of guy. Uh, but but the jump ball red zone guys aren't always necessarily the guys that are going to lead your team in receiving. They may score the most touchdowns, but might not be that guy you're finding on third and six, third and seven, you know, and I can see Wilson sort of becoming that safety valve, but then also being able to make enough big plays uh, to accumulate the statistics. So I guess I'll go, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll, I'll guess Roman Wilson, now, but again, I agree. I agree. It could be any, I mean, Cornelius Johnson slept on as always, uh, you know, could be the guy too. It'll be really fascinating. And there's just, you know, maybe quarterback's preference, whoever they, it might just be whoever the quarterback feels like yeah. the best chemistry with. I mean, it, it's, you know, there's just so many different routes and, and avenues you could take to even make, to make an argument for each guy. So uh, yeah, not a bad, it's one of those good problems uh, as you'd say. So yeah, I'll say Roman Wilson for now, though. Yeah, I'm, I'm leaning Roman Wilson, too. So now, now we're a Roman Wilson podcast. But it's – yeah, I think that the fact that he led the, the team in receiving down the stretch last season, because, um, you know, his, his overall numbers, what was it, 420 yards, I think, three touchdowns, that might not stand out compared to what Ronnie Bell and Cornelius Johnson have done. But he did play – was it a broken wrist – throughout much of last season, like he missed a game. He played, he played in a couple games where he clearly wasn't going to be, um, he was out there for his blocking and, and for maybe not, not as a decoy, but, but he wasn't going to be the number one receiver in Michigan's game plan. But then toward the end of the season, he was. And I think back to that Wisconsin game last year where, where he really broke out and, and really had a, a, I thought a phenomenal game, made some good catches. I thought, the, the Penn State touchdown route throw and catch I thought was one of the better passing plays of, of the season that Michigan had. Um, you know, one of Cade McNamara's better throws, I felt like. Uh, really, so I, yeah, I think his ability to catch every type of route, I think you can trust him behind the line of scrimmage. I think you can trust him in traffic. You mentioned the hands and also the quickness. I think he has the long speed and the um, – I guess the tracking, the ball tracking ability to, to be a deep ball threat. So I don't know if he's Michigan's best receiver at any particular route, but I think what, what's gonna, what could lead to him leading the team in receiving yards is that he's top three in every kind of throw and situation. And I feel like that's how Ronnie Bell led the team in receiving in, in 2019 and 2020 is – I don't know that he was the fastest receiver. I don't know that he was the um, tallest or jumped the highest or had the best hands or anything like that. Like, I, I don't know if he would have won any individual receiver contest, but he was there so much and he was able to break routes 
and just had this knack for, for making plays and getting himself open. And so that endeared himself to multiple quarterbacks. Well, now it sounds like I'm making a case for Ronnie Bell, doesn't it? But, you know, nonetheless, I feel like Roman Wilson has a lot of similar qualities. So I'm kind of leaning toward him. Eric all did, Steve, you, know, you mentioned Schoonmaker was right there. Schoonmaker did have a nice finish to the season. He really did. Eric all's final six games, I believe he was at a 600-yard pace, you know, in terms of receiving yards per game. So it's certainly, he's kind of the wild card. If they end up spreading the receiver uh, passes and touches around all season, does Eric all emerge just because he's, he's, he doesn't have as many tight ends running around uh, garnering attention. So leaning Wilson could really talk myself into, into every single one of them. We're going to hit a quick break on the other side. We'll talk a little bit about running back and then the moving parts in the defensive backfield. You're listening to the Wolverine 24 seven podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, welcome back. Thanks for waiting. So, Steve, Michigan's running backs seem to be in, in a pretty good spot. Blake Corum is probably a sprained ankle away from an 1,100-yard rushing season last fall. Donovan Edwards ended up top 10 in true freshman history at Michigan in receiving yards. And really, I mean, he only had 14 yards in Michigan's first 10 games. So this was someone who clearly great running back, five-star running back, but also looked the part as a, as a pass catcher and, and looked the part as a rusher too. Didn't kind of, most of his yards came against the two Mac teams they played, but at the same time he made, he had some good runs against some good defenses. So feel like they've got a really good one-two punch, probably one of the nation's better one-two punches. But Hassan Haskins is gone, and he takes with him a lot of those third and two carries, those fourth and ones, those, you know, that the, the, you have to have this yard. You, have, you need someone physical, someone that's not going to go down or fall backwards or get dropped for a loss. Haskins was the best running back in the country at that last season. He led the country in first downs. He had more than 20 touchdowns. And by my personal count, only got dropped for a loss three times all season last year on more than 200 carries. So, Steve, I think this is a good question by you. Um, would, would love to hear some of your thoughts on, on what you're looking for out of this fall camp on it. But, but how hard... Is it for Michigan to replace Hassan Haskins? And can Tavier Dunlap, uh, maybe Kalem Mullings, you know, maybe CJ Stokes, maybe someone else? Like who's picking up those Hassan Haskins carries as they as they try to replace them? Certainly 
good running back room, but that is an element that, that is a little less proven so far. Yeah. So that, I mean, I don't think you're going to, it's, it's, you're hoping for like a Hassan Haskins light, you know, I don't think you're going to have another guy like that walk through the door this season anyway. You know, I, I, you look back, you watch, you go back, you watch the highlights of, of last season or go in to watch each game, just countless third and two, fourth and two, third and three, just countless times uh, that he was able to move the chains for Michigan in big spots. As important, though, to me, how many second and sixes, second and fives, second and fours did he create, you know, that opened up opportunities for the rest of the offense. And, and, and again, with as good as Michigan's offensive line was last year, a lot of times he created a, a good chunk of some of those yards on rushing plays because it got to the point where I think teams knew first down was, was there at, least, at the very least he was going to be used as a decoy. You know, and again, Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards very. I think they're capable of that, creating those second five, second fours, maybe. But, but it's just that both of those. I kind of look at. I kind of compare it the same way. I always talk about Jabril Peppers being as valuable in special teams as he was anywhere else, uh, because he would be able. He would cover fifteen or twenty yards to catch a punt to prevent it from bouncing. You know, saving a. a almost a quarter of the field for the offense to have to go. It's, it's just those other, those it's creating scenarios, shortening the field, shortening down in distance, you know, where, where Haskins was so viable. I mean, I know he scored a ton of touchdowns, but, you know, and, and had some really good statistical games too, but that, that there's value there that I'm not sure if Michigan replaces it, it may have to be in a different fashion. Right. I mean, I think we're going to see him throw a little bit more on third and short than we maybe would have last year, even with the offensive line, maybe being even better this year than it was last year. So, you know, that's to me as like, I think Tavier Dunlap is six, what, six foot, 222 is what he was listed in the spring. That's about, you know, Haskins was six one two twenty, and last year's fall roster. So he's got the size. I think he was, he interviewed mentioned that he's as fast as Donovan Edwards is or that they raced or something. And, you know, so I'm not even just, pinning Dunlap as like a one trick pony either as a short yardage back. I mean, I think Michigan believes that he's a good back and could be a good all around back, but his role this year, I got to think Michigan's hoping he's the one that kind of steps up and at least, you know, can give them something in short distances and, and maybe be out there on first down too. Uh, you know, maybe you can split Edwards out, which, well, I mean, you can, we know, we know you can split him, right. You know, uh, but have Dunlap be that guy. You know, it was a bigger, bigger body, you know, start to beat up that front seven a little bit early, you know, just, just those types of scenarios. So, so yeah, it'd be really fascinating. I mean, you know, we mentioned Kalel Mullings. Like I said, I think it's to me, as you said, I think you put it better than I did to Michigan's benefit if he emerges at linebacker, because I, I think Michigan can find somebody at back uh, as a third. You're talking, we're talking a third back versus a fourth linebacker, probably, right? Mm-hmm. Fourth linebacker, I think, is a little bit more important, especially when you talk about that, wh- how good Michigan's one-two is or should be at running back. Yeah, and and I, I do think Michigan will be able to run the ball effectively, even if they don't get a resounding answer on who takes these ugly yards. Because one thing to remember is it's not like Corum's some, uh, you know, 180-pound back. I mean, he's 
he's really strong. Uh, multiple players have called him pound for pound the strongest player on the team. Uh, in, Remember that pop he took against Wisconsin? And then yeah. Fell forward like four yards and got the first down. I mean, that was like, yeah, that was, that was one of the more quietly memorable plays of the year. I mean, he got straight up form tackle popped and like didn't even fall, like didn't fall down. Yeah. So. I mean, and you, and if you see him in person, uh, I mean, his, his biceps are the size of footballs. <laughs> and so it's just, I mean, he's, he's jacked and really strong. And, and one thing, I mean, he's effective too. According to Pro Football Focus, he averaged, 6.86 yards per carry on 59 carries between the tackle last season. Now, between the tackles. Now, some of those are like the 50 yarders that inflate those numbers, but I, I actually don't think he was dropped for a loss or bullied when he was running between the tackles. I think people look at his height uh, and maybe see his frame from the, from the TV, you know, the high TV angle and say, oh, he's, he's a little back. And he, he runs like one. But I think he also has some pretty good strength. That's why he's he was such a coveted player for Michigan to get in the recruiting trail. That's why that's why I still think his NFL draft prospects might be better than than you know generic mock draft might be saying. I, I think he's um, I think he's going to be able to take on some of those ugly carries. I think Edwards can too. I know ball security was a knock on him as a recruit, but um, you know he's he's pretty big. He's pretty strong. He he averaged 8.0 yards between the tackle per carry last season, but if you take out the 58-yarder, it's about five. But still, this was someone who, who can, who's capable of it physically. Um, so I don't think they need a full Haskins, but as you said, uh, maybe a Haskins light. You know, someone to take on, take on the yards that hurt. I mean, you know, Haskins never complained or said it hurt or anything, but, but you know it did uh, when he's got two, you know, defensive tackles trying to bury him and he's still gaining a couple of yards here and there. So, so there's ugly yards and I think it's a necessity to be able to pick some of those up. And so, yeah, I think, I think Dunlap who was described by our national recruiting team as quote, a terrific North South hole puncher. Um, he was pretty fast, but I think that's, that's probably his, well, that's why he's at Michigan. I think is that that's what separated him from other running backs in that, in that recruiting cycle is you know his ability to just add a little punch when he was carrying the ball. Um, you know, I think Mullings cert I if look, if he comes into fall camp and he looks like the third best running back, I think you have to give him that role because this was someone who uh Wisconsin and Notre Dame both recruited as an offensive player, ball carrying type of player. And and so I I don't know if that's what he'll look like, but you know, there, there was a lot of offensive capabilities from him in high school. And so, um, and he was described as physically developed plays downhill, good burst in the first three steps as, as a linebacker. And that, that, you know, you could probably say the same thing about a number three running back. So if it, if it happens, I think Michigan has to let it happen, but I'm with you. I think, I think best case scenario is, is Tavier Dunlap, um, it really embraces that role, the mentality of that role. I mean, I, I, I don't know him personally. I don't think we saw enough from him last season to, to gauge this, but you know, does he have that contact courage? Because it's on Haskins, what made him different, and the reason why you saw Ohio State linebackers even trying to tackle him is he wanted the, the contact. You know, he, he probably could have had a few more yards per carry or, or you know, a few more 
uh, raw yarded yards on the season, but he wanted to hit you. He wanted to hit you in a way that, that it hurt and that you didn't want to come get him again. And, and it worked. It really worked. And so I think the best case scenario for Michigan is Tavier Dunlap comes in and, and says, give me all the ugly yards I can get. I want to hit people and I want to, I want to be the, the guy when you need a couple yards that I'm going to be able to punch it in for you. So um, I still think Corum and Edwards can take on a lot of those carries, but yeah, best case scenario is a third guy emerges who, who has that mentality too. All right. Final question for this podcast certainly will be a ton of preview podcasting uh, heading in, but, but I think there's a lot of different scenarios in the defensive backfield in terms of who plays, who's, who's playing where, you know, obviously they have two couple spots at corner, probably a nickel spot, like what Dax Hill played last season, two safety spots. There's, there's different schemes and situations and formats they can do, but, but I would assume that's Michigan's baseline starting lineup, base starting lineup. Different, a lot of different guys could play in different spots. I feel like Rod Moore could play at safety or nickel. I feel like Will Johnson could play at cornerback or nickel. Um, Jaden McBurrows, I know he won't be full go at the start of fall camp, but you know he seems like someone who could play a little bit of both. Mike Samer still moved over to nickel. Steve, I know you'll talk about it in a moment, but that I don't think that was them looking for a spot for him to be. I think he would have been in the running to be you know, one of, I think he would have been one of our, the top five receivers on the team this year and gotten a lot of playing time. So I think for them to move him to nickel uh, says that they think there's something to it. And then, you know, someone like, a, could they, could they move safeties? Could they move some cornerbacks around? So Steve, a lot of moving parts in the defensive backfield. What are some of the, the, the players or the, the trend or the things that you'll be interested to hear about that will be piquing your interest when once we start hearing a little bit about how these practices are going in terms of the defensive backfield. Yeah. A few different things. Uh, If Jamon green, let's say beats out Will Johnson for that second corner, let's assume that Will Johnson's the third guy, you know, how do they utilize Johnson? Cause I, I just don't see any scenario where Johnson doesn't see the field on defense, you know, uh, in year one, I think he's that good. So what does Michigan do there? Uh, do you do you move him over to nickel, and and maybe throw Sainer still in as your third corner? Like you know, there's uh, Makari Page had a great spring. I think Rod Moore didn't say his name specifically, but when he I think when he was interviewed about uh, taking his taking his safety spot back, he said, you know, there's somebody else ahead of me right now, and I got to work my way back after his injury. I'm pretty sure he was talking about Makari Page. What do they do? You know, what do they do there? Uh, do those two go back and forth? Do they use them in more scenario? Because Rod Moore totally looked the part last year. I think many, I think a few of our good members on our board, more of the observant people said, you know, made, mentioned that Rod Moore was one of Michigan's best defensive players against Ohio State last year. Uh, that big game experience is huge for a true freshman, you know, so it, it's hard to fathom Rod Moore not playing a decent amount of snaps this season. So, you know, a lot of different things, uh, you know, with Paige's size, that's what I, I think we talked about before we recorded. Listed at 6'3", 192, his weight number on the roster, which I know those aren't always 100% accurate, but 
if we see like a decent sized gain there, like 200 plus, does Michigan move him up into the box in certain packages? Again, provided he continues to ascend and is a guy that they feel comfortable putting on the field, you know, uh, does one of the true freshmen. I mean, I think they're as excited about this true freshman defensive back class as almost any, you know, does a guy like Zeke Barry. I feel like he could walk, play a few different spots. Right. But, you know, yeah. and so like there's, 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 Again, a lot like with the defensive line is there's a ton of talent and it feels like there are a lot of sort of malleable, versatile parts that they can kind of tinker around with, you know. And, and I think, again, if you're a head or if you're a head coach, a defensive coordinator, whoever, best case scenario is you have more than four. You have like more than five or six guys that are ready to play and guys that can play different spots of the field. That's how you disguise. That's how you create problems for Court, opposing quarterbacks, opposing offensive lines, you know, and that those are what you get. That's how you can create turnovers and win football games. So, you know, I, I, it is, that's another area where, cause I'm, I've, yeah, I'm probably going to die on this hill. I think the two Hills I'll die on. I think AJ Henning is, is a guy that we didn't even barely mention at receiver, I think is still going to have a, a big impact in some capacity this year, but I'm also a buyer on Jamon green, having a big bounce back here this year too. Uh, I don't think he's had his last say at the cornerback spot. I know Michigan feels like that's the case too. I think fall camp, maybe we'll find out more, but you know, so with that being said, you see him play a lot. Like we talked about Will Johnson again, where do they put him? Cause again, I think he's too good to keep off the field. So really interested to see how clink scale, Jay Harbaugh, the newcomer in the defensive backfield, Jesse Minter, like kind of how they put that all together. Minter being a defensive backs guy. Also, you know, you really have two, both co-DCs are defensive back guys. And then Jay Harbaugh is a guy who's had major success at every position that he's coached uh, at Michigan. And so, you know, history says that the safety play should be good under his tutelage. So yeah, really fascinating group of guys. Uh, One that I'm excited, like I said, same thing as defensive line where I'm excited to see kind of who emerges and, and, and who does what, who excels, who, how many different guys do they use? What type of ways do they use all of them? Yeah, and, and feels like they have a really nice core. I think that, you know, the, the big question, in addition to where they all fit, will be what, what kind of impact can the freshman bring year one? I know it's a, it's a cerebral position to be in that defensive backfield, um, but we saw last year R.J. Moten, redshirt freshman, Rod Moore, true freshman. Uh, guys who really stepped up and Michigan, it does help. Michigan has someone that you and I are, and, and pretty much everyone is, is very high on a DJ Turner, you know, guy who landing on a lot of first team preseason, all big 10 lists. And I think that's merited based on how last season went. So going to be going to be interesting to see how they put the pieces together. And, and I think that nickel spot will be a good precursor to how they feel about the rest of the the room. If they have, a cornerback there probably feel pretty good about their, their top two corners. If they have a safety there, it probably means someone like Makari page or, or Zeke Barry or somebody like that stepped up. If it's Mike Sainer still, maybe, maybe they really just like what they have in Mike Sainer still. And, or maybe they really just, they have the five they want to have. So, yeah, I think there's, there's probably going to be a best five philosophy in, in that, in that group. Um, some, some guys, will be restrained to, to, to their main positions, but 
yeah, well, who who emerges as the best five and how good are they? I think is a, it's another big question. You know, is Michigan replacing a lot of players on defense, but but I think there is more depth on defense. I think that there's there's a lot of upside to the defense too. I don't know that they'll be quite as star heavy as last season, but in terms of the overall team success, uh, I think that they're. I think the depth is a little bit better this year, and the the experience at the right positions is a little bit better this season. Anyways, that's going to do it for us. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. Be sure to check out all of our stories over at the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. Lots of preview content uh, from, from us, from Alejandro, from Bryce, from Sam. Um, really gonna got you covered at all angles right now in terms of the insider bits, the, the, um, the depth charts, the, the in-depth previews of things, uh, and then, of course, the breaking news as well. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. We'll see you next time.